All right, good morning, everybody. Um, so I want to start with a, a story of uh, Shraga Fievel Frank, who um, was, lived in Kovno in the mid-1800s, and he was a student of Israel Salanta. I looked up, he saw that uh, apparently they used to have like these muster with, with in, his, in his roof, uh, in his attic, with, uh, with Israel Salanta. And the story goes that um, he was a, apparently a, a wealthy businessman in Kovno, and he was known as a tremendous Baal Chesed as well. So if you need, ever need anything, he was the man to, to go to and you can rely on him. There was a young man who wanted to start a business and he needed a loan to, uh, to start things off. So he ended up um, going to Refranc and uh, they developed a whole plan, payment plan, how he repay. And um, they, they developed a plan and they, they did the loan. Time went by and uh, Refrank went to him to, to collect uh, the payments and the guy refused to pay. He wouldn't pay. Over and over again he went, he wouldn't pay. Eventually, um, Refrank himself fell on hard times in his business and he needed money. So he went to the guy again. The guy said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay you back. And eventually, Refrank's wife went to him and said, listen, we need the money. We can't support ourselves. We need you to pay us back the loan. The guy refused. They gave up. Over time, they, um, uh, Frank was able to get back on his feet and, um, and he was able to get, become a, a successful businessman. And the individual who took out the loan, he fell on hard times. And then he needed another, another loan. And nobody would give him. And lo and behold, he finds himself knocking on the door of Refrank. His wife opens the door. And she says, oh, look, you're here to pay back the loan finally. Okay, thank you. The guy says, no, I'm sorry, I can't pay back the loan. I actually, I need another loan. She looks at the guy and she's like, you're, you're crazy. But she tells her husband, her friend comes to the door and he welcomes him in and he says, okay, you need a loan. Okay, let's sit down. We'll talk about a, uh, a business plan. And um, they sit down, they go through a whole thing. And Frank says, okay, give me time before I, before I decide if I'm going to give you the loan. His wife comes to him and says, what, how could you do this again? We, we just went through this with this guy and he's not going to pay us back. You're going to trust him again. So he said like this, okay? You'll see, I heard the story right before Rosh Hashanah. He said, last year before Rosh Hashanah, I went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and I asked him for a loan on life. Why? So that I can do certain things with my life to live a certain type of life. He says, now I ask you, do I live up to all the expectations and the things that I'm supposed to do? He says, I don't think I did. But Rosh Hashanah is coming up again. And what am I going to do? I'm going to ask God for a loan on life again, even though I didn't pay up. He says, what's it going to look like if I say no to this individual who's coming to me for a loan again? And I'm going to say no, because he didn't pay me back. So why should I be worthy of, uh, of getting a loan again? That was the story. I think it's brought down to the Musr story, the, uh, okay, the, 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 the Bali Musr stay, stay over. So it's an interesting story. Um, it's used to inspire people for children. I think there's, there's something to think about what, what that means that God is God giving us a loan the same way that he's giving this individual loan on financially. What struck me about the story is the idea that if I want a loan on life from God, if I want something from God, I have to do it to others. That to me, sounds a little bit, uh, it, it's a little bit strange way of thinking about it, that if I want God to do it to me, I have to do it to other people. Is that a way for us to think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that if we want him to give it to us, he'll give us. So you mean if I don't do it, he's not going to give it to me? But the truth of the matter is that um, 
where Frank in this story is, is demonstrating is actually in line with a number of, a number of Gemaras. So for example, um, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Yud Zayin Amun Aleph, says like this, Kol HaMavir Al Midosov, Mavir in low, Al Kol Anybody who passes over his own Midos, okay, above, they'll pass over uh, for him on all of his sins. Shinamar no say avon ve'over al pesha. Lemi no say avon, for who does God lift up the sins? We not count them. Lemisha over al pesha. To somebody who lets it go over, he passes by on the, on the crime. Rashi has a very interesting explanation. What does it mean he's mavir al midosov? He passes by on his midos. She'eno midaktek lindod mida limitsarim oso. He's not particular about measuring those who paint him. So he allows the measurements. He places the measurements on the side. And he lets it go. So mavir over here means, right, to, to let it go. Like we say, you shouldn't let mitzvahs go. Here's mavir al mitzvah. Rashi's imagery is actually, it's, it's quite striking. There are personalities like this, right? They have, if you like, a black book. People who offended me. Every little thing they're writing down. And they're, they are, they're mitzvahs. They're measuring it. And what Rashi's saying is, Mavir Almidosov means a person has to, has to let things go. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfection. And um, you shouldn't be midactic. And then so the Rashi explains, what does it mean, Mavir in lo al kolp shav? Rashi explains, mm-hmm. so, so too, the midas hadin, right? God's judgment is not going to be so particular about this person. Okay, he'll let things slide. Okay, if you let things slide, then God will let you things slide. And the Gemara goes on with a, a story to again to, to to show how great of a of a mida this is. And it comes back and it says that it has a, another limud, uh Barchanina, Nachalaso. Okay, that God does things to those who are left over of his nachala. Okay, but not to the entire Nachalah. What does that mean? The Gemara continues. He makes himself lowly, like he's just a leftover. So then that kind of person will be worthy of this type of Niyag of Hashkacha from, from a Kaddish Baruch. So the question is, is that, is that a way to think about, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, God is, we can, uh, you know, Rachel Mechanun is, is a merciful being. A, a merciful being, does a merciful being only give mercy to those give others mercy is that a way that we should behave as human beings that we look at a person we say if you're kind to others i'll do kindness to you somebody comes and asks you for a favor is the first question you ask them well do you treat other people kindly and uh, presumably that's not the way that we do we do chesed so why is the gemara phrasing it as well when you do these things god will do it god will do it to you okay and certainly in the case of mavir al-midosov it's not exactly analogous Right, we can understand somebody who's very particular about things that are done to them has to do with a sense of ego, and uh, they have to let their ego as well. It's a sense of humility to to let a thing to, to let it go. But what what does that have to do with what does that mean? Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to be Mavir Al Pshav. In what sense is he? It's not the same lashon of Mavir. It doesn't happen the same the same way. There's another Gemara um, which has along similar lines, and that's the the one on Gemara about. Um, down the Kapschos. Okay, we'll start with the, the Mishnah in the Mishnah in Perkeavos. So it's Perak Aleph, uh, Mishnah Vav. So the Mishnah says like this 
Yehoshua, Yehoshua ben Prachah v'nitai arba'i kiblu mehem, Yehoshua ben Prachah yomer, Aseh lecharav, so Yehoshua ben Prachah says three things. Aseh lecharav, make it for yourself a, a, a Rebbe. Knei lecha chaver, acquire for yourself a friend. V'avedan is kol adam lekafschus. And you should judge somebody favorably. Okay, or what do you say? All people, you should judge, you should judge favorably. So what does it mean you should judge all people favorably? So the Rambam says, Sorry. The Ram says like this in the parish of Sinai. In Yano, Kishiya Adam Shalotedabo in Sadiku in Russia. Okay, if there's somebody who you don't know, if they're a righteous person or a wicked person, Vitireu, Shiyase Masa, you see him doing something, Oyomar Davar, or you see him saying something, Shim Tifarsheu al Derech Achas Yetov, Bim Tifarsheu al Derech Acheres Yera. So you can interpret it in one of two ways. You can interpret it as a way of he's doing something good. You can interpret it as a way he's doing something bad. Okay, so Ram says, then you should interpret it in the good way. Don't think bad of the person. And then Ram goes on to explain, but that's only going to apply if you really don't know. If you know, then you don't have to, you don't have that, uh, that obligation. Okay, so it's interesting. What, what does the mission mean altogether that you should be down with Kafskos? If you don't really know, why isn't the answer... Just to say that you don't know. Why do I have to interpret one way or the one way or the other? What's what what what, what is the answer that the what, what is the explanation behind this 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 advice? But the Gemara, the Gemara goes it gives it a, a well known story on how far a person has to go in, in being down the kavshos. The Gemara talks about a worker who he's working on a on a farm and he was working there for for three years. And finally, it became, came time before, before Yantiv, it's on Kufchav Zayin Amabez in the Gemara Shabbos. And he goes to the, his employer and he says, okay, can, I, can you pay me so I can go home? I can feed my family. And the employer says to him, I don't have any money to give you. So he says, give me fruits. He says, I don't have any. Can I have some of your land? I can sell your land to get money. No. Can I have an animal? I don't have any. Pillows? I don't have any. The guy takes his belongings, throws over his back, and he walks home. The pachy nefesh, the Gemara says, he was, he was, he was, he was bitter. After the regal, after Sukkot, the Balabayas comes with all of his, his money, and the Gemara describes Masui Gimel Chamorim, okay, with three three donkeys loaded with food and drink and all types of sweets. And he goes to the guy's house, his, his employee's house, and after he feeds him and he pays him, he says to him, "What did you think when I told you I didn't have any money?" What did, you, what, did you, what did you think of me? What did you suspect? So the, the employee says, well, I thought that perhaps you just had a tremendous business deal. You had a tremendous opportunity. You got things at a great price. So you put all your money into that opportunity. So you didn't have any, you didn't have any cash liquid. You had nothing on hand. So, and he goes through all these different things. When I told you that I didn't have an animal, what, uh, what did you think? She says, maybe you rented them all out. I didn't told you you didn't have any land. What did you think? This is maybe they're all you had that you had hired workers working all of your land. Each thing that he told him he didn't have, okay, the guy came up with the reason why he thought that the, the employee, the employer wouldn't have been able to, 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 to pay him. And finally, the Gemara ends, but the Gemara says, he even said, why, when I asked you if I don't have any pillows, what did you think? The Gemara says, he said, I thought that maybe you were Makdish. But maybe you were mocked to show your properties for, for the base of Mikdash, so that's why you couldn't give it to me. So he says, he responds, he responds, you're right, that's actually what happened. Okay, 
and he explains why, but he says like this. Isn't this story about Rabbi Akiva? Uh, no, it doesn't say Rabbi Akiva. It doesn't say Rabbi Akiva. Uh, it doesn't say in the Gemara. So listen to the way the Gemara finishes. The Gemara finishes like this. Just like you judge me favorably, God should judge you favorably. So here also, to me, it's a little bit of a strange thing. First of all, again, first of all, on a shot level, what does it mean? The Rambam says you could be down, you're down like Hapschus if you don't know the right way to interpret it. But obviously that doesn't apply by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God knows exactly what the person's motivation is and exactly what uh, they had in mind. So how are you going to say that God should judge a person favorably? And furthermore, again, what is the message? What is this idea that since you do it, so God will treat you that way? Meaning, why specifically that? There's a lot of types of schar out there. There's a lot of types of good things. Why specifically this way? And does this mean to imply that if you don't do it to others, again, so God's not going to do it to you? I mean, what's, why should that be? I mean, we wouldn't tell a human being to, to act that way. So why should we do it only if, if God, it, it, why should God do it to us only if we do it to others? Okay. Okay. Gemara and Bavakama, the well-known Gemara and Bavakama, Nun Amun Aleph. The Gemara says, Amir Rabbi Chanina. Kala Omer HaKadosh Baruch Hu Vatran Hu. Okay, Anybody who says that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is a veteran means to say, as Rashi says, that he lets the sins go. He just lets everything go. God will let this person's life go. Rashi says, Okay. Um, his life and his body will become like Hefker. They'll become like worthless, ownerless, will have no protection. Why? Because he's teaching other people to sin. Okay, so again, anybody who says that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is a Vatran, he just lets the sins go, his life will be let go. And the Pasuk the Gemara quotes is, Shinemar Hatsur Tamim Paolo Kichol Durachav Mishpat. Okay, the rock, his works are complete, all of his ways are, are just. So here, I want to analyze, understand this. What does the Gemara mean that if a person who says that Kaddish Baruch is a Vatran, why, what's so bad? I mean, is that different than saying that a Kaddish Baruch is Mirachim? Okay, apparently there seems to be some critical difference between saying God is a Vatran versus God is, is Mirachim. We call God Rachim Bechanan, HaMirachim. We say it every day in Tefillah. So what does it mean to say that he's a Vatran is so far, you're so far gone that now even right? Your entire life seems to be uh, worthless and you have to be, uh, basically, it seems like you're, you're left to, to, to die. And what's interesting is the Pasuk. The Pasuk, what's the Pasuk? This is the Pasuk in Azinu, we read not too, not too long ago. And the Pasuk says, right, in the, it, when it's describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so it says, Atsur Tamim Paolo, again, the rock, his work is complete. Yichol Durach of Mishpat, all of his ways are just. Uh, okay, he's a God who is uh, trustworthy. There's no, no evil, nothing, no wrongdoing. He's righteous and straight. Okay? I don't see anything here about Yivachu Chayev. I see the idea, Chol Durach of Mishpat, that all of his ways are just, but I don't see anything here that because if you say that God is, is a Vatra and that therefore your life, Yivachu, your life will be um, thrown into, again, the Rashi's Hefker. Hefker, his life will be his chaya v'gufa will be hefker. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, you're right. The the the, the Yalkut Shimoni says elaborates that Vatron seems to, to say that the person is really saying that there's no din. There's no din. Okay, a person that will not be held responsible means there's really no there's really no mishpat. Um, uh, and the, the way the, the Yalkut has it is that no, there there is mishpat, but God in whatever way will it'll happen slowly over time. The person has no right to say that it doesn't happen at all. Okay, so just elaborate on that. Elaborate on that idea. It seems that when, when we have all the, the, the midos, uh, we have these ideas of how God is, is knowing with, with the brios, there always has to be this underlying idea that God is just. Apparently, the underlying premise of the yogimel midos, as much as we say, okay, the Gemara and Baba Kama saying is that it can never come at the expense of the notion of, of a just God. Okay, so we might not know how all these things work out, but if a person only has the idea of Rachim or Chanan, okay, then as you're saying, then what you're really saying is Lace Dan, Lace Dan, Lace like Dan, I said, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no Mishpat. Okay. It's interesting, it's interesting that the, the word the Torah has for in Bereshis, okay, the way it describes God is the same word that's used by Dayanam. Okay? So, Bereshis bara elokim is a shemayim So, you have, uh, you have the, the word elokim is used to, re, to refer to, uh, by, to identify God by the Bereshis Olam. The Mepharshim discuss what's, what's, what's behind the word elokim, meaning what's the word elokim mean? Why is that the word that's used in the context of, of, uh, of Bereshis Olam? So, for example, the Evan Ezra says, the Evan Ezra says, that Elohim is a Lushan Rabbim. He says it's, a, it's like the royal we. It's the way a Lushan of Godel. He says it's the way of describing somebody who's great. So the Torah wanted to use in order to portray, in order to portray the, uh, the, the, the godless of a Kaddish Baruch. Um, the, Ramban, the Ramban says that Elohim could be viewed as a, as a combination. Okay, it's a compound word, actually. El means koach. Okay. And, um, and Haim is they. So he says, Elohim is actually all the forces, okay? All those forces, all those forces that you see ultimately go back to, to, one, to one source, okay? The Ramban says he's the, um, the koach ha-kokos kulam, the one source, the one force, one power behind all the powers that you see. So that's Elohim. Elohim is a way of a person identifying all the different, if you will, kale, all that's out there, all the different forces, unified to one source. But... From there, it's, on the surface, it's not clear to see, simple to see, it has nothing to do with justice. Why should it be that the term Elohim is used by, by, by justice? So, for example, this Forno, this Forno on, on Elohim, so he explains that Elohim, and he says this by Tzalem Elohim also, Elohim really refers to anything which is abstract and, and uh, eternal. And he says that Elohim means that God is the, 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 the tzura of all the tzuras, okay, if you will, the form of all the forms, which means to say is that he is the source of all those eternal, um, any ideas ultimately trace back to, to God, and he's the source of anything which is eternal. And he says that Selim Elohim refers to the intellect, which has the ability, okay, he describes it's a potential to be abstract and to be uh, partake of that which is eternal. And he says, therefore, and we, a person can live and get Olam Haba. Because this is, um, the, the, this Forno says that he's, he's a, you're, 
if you have, understand the idea of Selim al-Kim, naturally the idea of Olam Habas um, emerges because it has to do with the idea that a person can go beyond the physical into the world of the eternal. And so the Svarno says that, that Elohim is a reference to the fact that in that world, God is the source of, source of it all. But there, is, there the Svarno says that that's why judges are called Elohim. He says, because when a judge is judging, the only faculty that a judge should be using is that part of them, which is eternal. They're only supposed to be engaged with the intellect, with the mind. He says, and that's the, that's the reason why it's a borrowed, it's a borrowed term. So with the Svarno, it's, it's understandable. Okay, but if you go along, let's say again with the, the Ramban's approach, that it's a, it's a reference to the Koach HaKochos. Again, on the surface, it's not clear why the term, um, the Shem Hashem of Elohim should be used and borrowed, and you call a judge Elohim, Elohim as well. And why is that the reference to, to the Midas, Midas Hadin? Okay. So for that, okay, I'd like to go to, um, to the Ramban in the in the Shar Hagmul. Okay, the Ramban in the Shar Hagmul, and um, I think uh, Rapesov gave Shira on this a few years ago, and uh, it really, I think, highlighted this. The, the Ramban in the Shar Hagmul is, is explaining the answer, okay, that, uh, that God gives to Eel's question, right? Sadik Viralo, and Russia, Russia Vitobla. So the Ramban lays down a, a very interesting, a very interesting yisur. He says like this. He says the muster that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave to Eov. Okay, I'm, I'm using this. Give us the, the Chazan Yoel edition, so it breaks it up into Simanim. If you want to find it, okay, Simon Kufyud, Simon Kufyud Zion, starting over there. He says most of the muster that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave to Eov was to teach him, okay, mice of Haniflaim. Okay, his great wondrous works. Okay, Elokim to inform him of the acts of God. Okay, and the little amount of knowledge that Eov has when it comes to the foundation of the what's created, right? The, the fundamental elements of creation. He doesn't know. The basic elements, again, the basic, right, the, the, the fundamentals of the heavens and the earth, the animals and the birds. Okay, and here's the key line. What does this mean to say? Somebody who doesn't know all this. When he sees, okay, the system of Ashkacha and the good order and direction Okay, that's there. I mean, he sees the system of creation and he sees that there is a say there to creation. Okay, even though he doesn't see like why it has to be this way or why it shouldn't be that way, why, right? why this way, this way it should be done and why that way would be a bad way to be done. All he knows is that there's a system here and he sees, again, like he says, Tov Haseder, the goodness of the order. He says, so why shouldn't he think also that when it comes to the justice of God, when it comes to human beings, it's going to be hidden from him? Okay. Okay. And their secrets, okay, that have to do with the forming of the body and the soul, it's hidden from us. 
Why doesn't he give righteousness to the one who, who did it? Okay. He says, if a person looks around at creation and sees that overall, the system of creation is done in a good way with mercy, then naturally the person should say, God does right by people. He does good by people. And therefore, even if I don't understand it, just like when it comes to creation, I might not understand how it is that God developed the way, this, this way. And I might not see why it is this way, but I see that overall the system is good. Over here too, by Mishmetayelokim. If I see it's run by the same source, okay, where again, the Seder and Hagal, and, and Hagal is, is generally tov, there might be questions I have, but I have to say, just like in creation, there are things I don't understand about creation. When it comes to Mishmetayelokim, there are things that I don't understand about, uh, about the divine justice. And he goes on and he says, okay, he says a similar line. He says, Okay, this was the way he says, you see that everything is done with order and divine providence. Okay. And there are things that are done that you don't understand. It's closed off from you. Okay, okay, except for the machshava was there, so to speak, before the bria. I mean, to say is, you have to understand. I mean, we don't understand how, why it is, how it is that God did these things, but we see that there's chachma there. So if that's the case, there's chachma in how God interacts uh, with the universe, then there's going to be mishpat too. You don't see it? Okay, you don't see a lot of things of why the world was done or how it was done this way, but you know that it works. Yeah. The Ramban goes on. Okay, the Ramban goes on to say. Um, yeah. Okay, here he says this more famous question. He says, if you're going to tell me that at the end of the day, that Mishpat is an Indian Nelam, that there are things to Mishpat we can't really see, we can't know. Okay, and at a certain point, you just have to believe that it's done in a righteous way and that God is a Shofet Emes. So why should we bother asking any questions altogether? Right? You shouldn't ask any questions. Just say, whatever it is, we don't understand why God did it. It's just, and that's it. Kol Devar of Mishpat. Why should I bother trying to figure out where, there, where there's justice? Maybe a person shouldn't bother asking that question. Right? So the line, the Ramban says, Zutainas Chachma. says, this is the claim of foolish people who despise wisdom. It says, because they're closing themselves off from a limud, okay, of the Hashkach Hashem. Okay, and he says, and the more you understand it, he says, the greater emuna and bitachon you'll have in what you see. Okay, and he says, somebody who wants to be obeyed me'avo me'ira, they're going to try to figure out as much as they can to understand it. But again, they'll also see, okay, yakir hadin vatzedik b'mashu nelamimenu. But they'll also see, see that there are areas that might be hidden that they won't be able to understand. And they'll say, okay, it's tzedek, tzedek vidin. You see an interesting thing, or an interesting approach the Ramban has over here. The Ramban's approach seems to be, okay, that when a person looks at the works of God, at the Bria, and they see that the source of the universe is run by Chachma, so now that extends to everything that that source does, okay? And the idea of Mishpat is very much linked. I mean, that's what the Ramban is showing you. The idea that we have of God as a Shofet Emes is linked to the fact that we look at God as the Borei Olam. And that when we see that the Bria, the Hashkacha, the Anhaga, like the Ramban says, 
with the universe is run by Chachma, so then that's, that's going to flow over into the world of Mishpat as well, how God interacts with, with mankind. Because it's all part of the system of how God is knowing with, with the universe. So there is this link between the notion of God as a Boreolam, and our, again, our, I, I, the, the image, the understanding, our perception of creation, okay, and how runs the, God runs the world with the system of, the system of Mishpat, the system of, of justice. The Ramam in the Moravuchim makes a similar, uh, similar connection. And again, the truth is, it's, it's, it's really just an elaboration of this Pasuk in, in Hazinu. The, Ramba, the Rambam says like this. Okay, I'll start with, uh, this is in, in Book 3, Chapter 25. Okay, page 309 in the Freelander edition at the bottom. The Rambam is talking about, when he's talking about um, the design of cre- the creation, okay, and, and, and people shouldn't say that things are done with, uh, with, without, any, without any purpose, Okay. He says like this, he says, it is not unreasonable to assume that the works of God, their existence and preceding non-existence are the result of his wisdom. But we are unable to understand many of the laws of his wisdom and his works. Okay, so we see there's wisdom. Okay, God does things with wisdom. That doesn't mean that we're going to understand the wisdom in everything we see. And the Rama makes, look at this connection the Rama makes. On this principle, the whole law of Moses is based. Okay, it says, this is the Yisod of all of Torah's Moshe. It begins with this principle. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Right? So that's Bracious, the end of, of Maisa Bracious. Okay, so that's the beginning of the Torah. And what's the end of the Torah? Hatsur Tamim Pal. Okay, Hatsur Tamim Pal. The God's works are perfect. So the Rambam is saying, the Rambam is linking up this Pasuk in Dvarim in Hazinu. Of Atsur Tom and Paolo with the idea that they're all good. Okay. So again, when a person sees that all of God's works are good, okay, and that there's wisdom, then even in areas where the person doesn't understand why and doesn't perceive the wisdom directly, they will have this notion that it is good, okay, and it's run by wisdom, and therefore it's going to be just also. And that's why in the same pasta, Mishpat has to do with the fact that there is a system in place, and when a person recognizes that there is a system, justice will be there, will be there as well. The Rambam says also in, uh, in, uh, in, in chapter 12, book 3, chapter 12, the Rambam says like this. He says, Okay, he's talking about how when a person studies creation, you will see that God has mercy towards his creatures. Okay, everything was created, uh, created well. And look at what he says. In accordance with this cor- correct reflection, okay, the chief of the wise men says, all his ways are judgment. He called the Rachav Mishpat. Okay, Ramam here in the context of looking at how creation is good, says, called the Rachav Mishpat. And then he quotes Dabra Melech, okay? Uh, the idea that God is a just God, is linked up with the idea of which goes back to this pasuk, okay, of, um, sorry, which goes back to creation also of okay. So I want to say it's like this. You see, the idea, the idea of Elohim, the idea of Elohim, what I like to suggest is like this. The idea of Elohim being used in the context of creation and also in the context of the Midas Hadin is because based on what the Rambam and the Ramban are saying, 
is that really it stems, as you will, from the same, from our perspective, from the same Midas HaKadosh Baruch. Justice, justice is a system, means to say is there's a system of Chachma, right? When there's no justice, basically what ends up happening is, it means to say is there's a sense of, of anarchy, okay? And there's no, there's no consequences. So it takes away from the perception that there's any real, any real system over here. The idea that God is a just being needs to say is we see that the Maisei Hashem work according to Chachma, we see that in the creation itself. And we see the goodness and the Seder of the Hashkacha and Anhaga. And once you see that there is Seder, so if this is a being that works by Seder, it's a, wing, a being that works by, by justice. And somebody who has a distorted idea of God as just, ultimately what that really means is they have a distorted idea of God as a Boreal one. Because what they're really saying is that God doesn't work by a system. It's not, it's not, he's not run by a system of, he doesn't work by a system of, of Chachma. So it's detracting from, from the, the notion of the Chachma Sashem, that again, everything works up will be Chachma. It's interesting, the Rambam, the Rambam says, the Rambam says we're coming upon the partios of, uh, of Avram Avinu. And the Rambam says, in, the, in Hilchus Deus, uh, after talking about the, the Mida Benonis, right, the Derech Haim Tzai, so the Rambam says, towards the end of Paragalif, the Rambam says, um, he says, right, he describes all these descriptions that we have of God, right, the names that we call God by, this is the middle road that we're obligated to walk in it, this is called the Derech Hashem. This is the path that Avram Avinu taught his children. That Avram Avinu, he commanded his children and his household to guard the way of Hashem, which is to do righteousness and justice. You see that for Avram Avinu, the idea of the notion of God as, as, as a, a just God. So, of course, it's a, it's a philosophical idea. It's a statement about God, okay? But it also affects the derech Hashem insofar as the way that we live our lives. It's not just supposed to be an abstract philosophical idea. The derech Hashem, whatever idea notions we have of God, are supposed to impact our very behavior. And that's part of what Avram Avinu taught the world, was that our perception of derech Hashem is the way that we're supposed to follow to follow as well, right? And the Ram says that's that's really part of the idea of the halachta bidrachav. So going back to the Gemara of Avakama now, the Gemara of Avakama is saying like this: What does it mean if you say a Baruch Hu is a vatran? You're mevater gufo, right? He's mevater and chayav. Right? Rashi says he's mafkir, is is guf. Okay. <clears throat> what it means to say is is that if a person thinks that God is a vatran, so a person thinks that God lets things go. So what they're really saying is that there is the idea of justice doesn't apply to the Niyaga Karshbarku. So again, like we were saying before, that's going to undermine the whole concept of God as the burial. It's not just a, it, it, it's, it's a major statement about justice, but on a more fundamental level, it goes with the idea, very idea of God as the creator. Because our whole notion of God as just, okay, goes to the idea of Hatsur Tamim Palam that his works are complete, his works are good. And if a person thinks that there's a lack of justice, what you're really saying is that the way that God designed the world is, is flawed. There's an imperfection, which means to say is that you th- ultimately it's a statement about a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And the person is really saying that God, God is a flawed being and he doesn't, it doesn't operate by, doesn't operate by Chachma. 
So a couple more says one more thing to say, you know, it's interesting when you think about the notion of mercy. Okay. The truth of the matter is that the very definition of mercy and kindness already presupposes an idea of justice. Right? You cannot have an idea of being kind if you don't have an idea of just, because the definition of kindness is you're going beyond what's required. But how do you know what's required? You have to have an idea of what justice demands. So, right, with both, lifnei mishura sadin. Lifnei mishura sadin means you already have an idea of what din is. If you don't know what din is, you can't say you're going lifnei mishuras mishura sadin. Okay, so there's an idea that in order to appreciate what what it means to have proper, you know, again, rachmim and, and, and chesed. And this is on a, this is a very, uh, this is, is a very practical for human beings in general. Okay, the distinction between mishpat and, uh, Rebbe once said, it's explained in tefillah, you know, melech ohit staka u mishpat. You have to know what's staka and what's, what's mishpat. They're not, they're two different, two different terms. I mean, I would say today, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, you have many movements out there that want to add qualifiers to the term justice. And it's, it's, it's a very bad thing because while there's place for kindness and there's a place for um, charity and help me, whatever it is, it cannot come at the cost of distorting what real justice is. The moment you distort justice, again, justice is the underlying system of Chachma. And once you distort that underlying system of Chachma, you'll be left with chaos. You'll be left with chaos. And so anytime you have something that wants to qualify, okay, social justice, whatever it is, okay, you're, you're taking justice out of its, if you will, its pure meaning, and you're distorting it to fit a particular agenda. It's a very dangerous thing. Again, that doesn't mean there isn't room for other forms of behavior after justice, kindness, whatever it is. But once you start distorting justice itself, the entire system is going to, is, is going to, 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 to fall apart. Okay. And then again, going back to the Ramban and the Rambam, okay, it seems to me we can say that, that the Gemara Baba Kama is saying this is a primary idea about how human beings relate to Akadosh Baruch so I wanted to use this to try to explain another question <coughs> discussed with, um, with, with Ilan Shimmel a, a couple of times. You know, in, in after the Chet HaEgel, it's a little bit of a, uh, when you just read the Pesukim, it's a little bit funny. After the Chet HaEgel, so Kaddish Baruch Hu says to Moshe, he says, that's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe out the people. Okay, they're, 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 they've sinned and they deserve, they deserve clear. Okay, so, so what happens? Okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu is mispalel right away. Okay, this is in Paraglamid Bays. Okay, it starts with Pasuk Zion, right? Hashem says, go down. The nation has been corrupted, okay? And, um, and they're, saying, they're saying all these things, okay? And, uh, and, Moshe, and, and Hashem says to them, Pasuk Yud, leave me be, okay? I'm going to destroy them, finish them off. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And what happens? Moshe, Moshe Davins, and what does he say? He says, um, what are the Egyptians going to say? The Egyptians are going to say that you didn't take them out, Right, you took them out uh, just to kill them in the in the uh, you took them out just to, to just to wipe them out, okay. And what about the brisavos? What about the shvur you made to them? Okay, and it says God relented. So it's a little bit of a strange thing. Moshe's rabbeinu, you, you know, his tefillah, if you will, is not a real chiddush over there. Like what what happened? God says, "I'm going to destroy them." Moshe Rabbeinu says, but hold on a second. What are people going to think? And what about your promise to your Avos? God says, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to do it. What, what changed? What changed? So what we're thinking was that to say, okay, along some lines, you see, the first notion, the primary notion that a person has to have with regards to Kodesh Baruch Hu, again, is 
called the Rachav Mishpat. Called the Rachav Mishpat. When Hashem communicates to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to destroy all of them. What he's saying is that Mitzad Mishpat, this is what's the meant. Mitzad Mishpat, they should all be destroyed. See, but that leaves room, okay, for now for Moshe Rabbeinu to, to say, okay, we understand that Mitzad Mishpat, there's a, they, they deserve clear. But there are other factors that perhaps can be taken into account, okay, which can allow for Mida of one of the other Midos to take in, Rachum, Chan, Erechapayim, whatever it is, to avoid a Chil Hashem, to fulfill the Shruli Avos. Okay? Once it's in that framework, now there's an, a possibility that they don't have to be destroyed. What do I mean? Because now, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't destroy B'nai Yisrael, it will be clear that the reason they're not being destroyed is not because they don't deserve to be destroyed. It's not a distortion of Mishpat. You see, if Hashem reacts right away by saying, listen, I'm not going to destroy them. Okay, I'm just going to give them something else. That could be understood as they don't really be, deserve to be destroyed. But if they don't really be deserve to be destroyed, that's a corrupt understanding of the Mishpat Hashem. Okay, as God has addressed God, because Mishpat Hashem demands they, they actually be destroyed. What Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah does is it says, we understand what the real Mishpat is, but given that there are other frameworks, can we please operate in one of those other frameworks where they'll be worthy of being able to continue because of that? And we won't lose out on the idea of what it means that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, okay, is a Shofet Emes, because we still know what, what's supposed to be, right? In this way, it preserves the notion, okay, again, that it avoids the consequence of Kaddish Baruch Hu's Evatra. If a person thinks, in the Chet Egel, if they didn't realize that they were actually Chai of Misa, that would have been a Pagam. Either they would have thought that the sin wasn't so bad, okay, which it didn't deserve Chai of Misa, that would be itself be a corruption of justice, or they would have thought, maybe we deserve clear about a Kaddish Baruch Hu, he lets things go. Vatran. You can't have it that way. So the consequence that the setup had to only be, okay, the, the ability for a Kaddish Baruch Hu to allow B'nai Israel to exist could only take place after Vayichal Moshe, after Moshe Rabbeinu establishes that we understand what the Mishpat Hashem is, we're asking for, we're asking for, for, for Chesed, for Rachel Mechanon. So with this one, I want to try to understand, to, to answer the basic the basic question is before you see in the other in the Gemaras, what's happening is that the Gemara is saying, okay, and I don't know that this is an absolute rule, but it's uh, been general. The Chesed Hashem can take place again, if you will, if there's this opening, if there's an opening for the Hashkacha, for the Anhaga Tova to take place in a way in which it doesn't distort what the Mishpat Hashem is. It can't come at this, the expense where a person will walk away thinking of Kaddish Baruch Hu is a vatra. Okay, so let me explain that. So let's take, take down the kafskos. <clears throat> on, a basic, on a basic level, what's, what's the perfection of down the kafskos? Down the kafskos means, okay, I see that I see a person do something and I see it could be done either for good or for bad. What does that really mean? What that means to say is that I look at a human being and what I really see in a human being is a complex phenomenon. I'm sensitive to the fact that people undergo conflicts, people have struggles, people have challenges, and they have a yitzharah to, they have a tzalmalukim, they have a yitzharah, and they have instincts and desires too. And we're complicated. Sometimes we can be driven by one element. Sometimes we can be driven by the other. So, and it could be hard to know. For some people, it's not hard to know. And, but a lot of times, it is very difficult to know. Dan Lekavskos is recognizing that while it's easier for me, and this thing Rebbe explains in the Prickly Abel Shir, you know, if, from my psychological vantage point, I'd much prefer if I could just label people and say, you didn't do well to me, 
I'm going to label you this way. You do I'm going to label you that way. And, okay, and then, and somebody I don't know, I, if I could just categorize them, it puts me in a much more comfortable, secure, comfortable position if I can use my own psychological tendencies, okay, it, and proclivities to judge how people, how people behave, and put it that way. Don Lekovskos means that a person recognizes that that's not the way we operate. Okay, you can't just project from yourself onto other people. And more than that, you have to recognize, again, people are complicated. And that's what the Shikorama says. So if you don't know, what you're really acknowledging is there are m- multiple po- possibilities over here. Okay, so the question is, well, why do you have to pick one? Why can't you, can you just say you don't know? I think, I think a premise the Gemara, the, the Mishnah has is, it's almost like human nature is that what do we do? We judge. Human nature is we put things, uh, we, we associate people with certain types of dual categories, okay? And while it would be nice if you could just walk around saying you don't know, okay, the, the, the emotional world of the person is always trying to figure out, we're always trying to figure out, is this person a threat or not a threat? Is this person a good person or not a good person? Okay, are they going to work well for me? They're not going to work well for me. So implicitly, human behavior, there's a judgment. What Chazal are saying is, what you should try to do is determine it based on the good. Why? Because that means that how do you look at people, essentially? It's really a statement about you, that you recognize that really fundamentally, okay, while again, we are complicated, there's a Tzalem Elohim there. And since we want to operate by Tzalem Elohim, okay, we should look at others as the Tzalem Elohim is, is operating over there. And if the Tzalem Elohim is operating over there, we should assume that they have a reason for it. Okay, to assume that they don't have a reason, it means to say is that basically you're looking at people and saying that fundamentally what kind of beings are there? They're basically primitive instinctual beings. So if they're doing it, it's probably for a bad reason. Okay, but then your operating assumption is that humanity is fundamentally, okay, fundamentally um, uh, a Yetzirah. What Dalekov's close means is that a person should recognize that, again, we're complicated and you should see, we should think of ourselves. And therefore, since I'm a human being, other people are human beings as well. If I want to see myself as fundamentally Tzalem then I should extend that to others as well. Again, as the Rama makes, makes clear, that doesn't mean you're naive. That doesn't mean you have to, like if a person has a pattern of behavior where they've already showed you that they operate one day, you have the right to go by that. But if you don't know, then the point is like this. Your own view of what humanity is, is going to be what you think of yourself because you're a human being. So you should extend that to others, okay? And that's, you see, that's going on in the story. With this, in the story, what's going on is the person, okay, this individual, you know, the, again, the employer him of all these reasons why he couldn't pay him, okay? At the time, he didn't, give the, he, didn't give the, he didn't give the reason. So the point is like this, an employee, if he's not paid, his natural reaction will be like, what kind of person is this? They should be paying me. But the assumption over there is he, like, of course, I'm the center of the world. And if he's not paying me, it's because he's trying to do something bad to me. Why wasn't I on his mind when he's doing all these things? But if a person understands, right, that I am just part of a, a much larger world, and there are a lot of things going on in anybody's life. So now when the employer can't do this, there could be a whole host of reasons that are going on in his life that have nothing to do with me. And so when he says it, maybe there are all these possibilities. And the point that Gamar is saying is that if a person really appreciates um, that idea, then there's, there's, there's no limit to how far it can go. And it might not be easy, but that's, and that's why he says, but just like you did it, so should God do it for you. So what does this mean now? You judge me for Kapskos, God should judge you for Kapskos. So we ask, but that doesn't make sense because the Ramam says you can only judge favorably if you don't know, but God knows. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is like this, that the, the idea of judging favorably, like, okay, 
So we said the negative. If you don't judge favorably, then your assumption is people are this way or that way. And I know which way they are. Okay. And I'm going to treat them based on that. But that would mean now like this, if you operate that way in your mind, well, what's going to happen if God does something good to you? Right? Let's say God will, so we judge you favorably, do a chesed to you. How will you interpret that? You will interpret that as, listen, either you're good or you're bad. If I'm getting something good, what does that mean about me? It must be I'm good. Okay, meaning how I treat others is a reflection of the principles I have and how I view, again, since I'm a human being, they're a human being, how I think about humanity. And if I think people should only get what I think they're, if they're good or bad, well, then if I'm getting something good, it must be that I'm good. Okay, but that doesn't leave open a room, you know, again, a, a Pesach, an opening for, for me to discuss it because what ends up happening is that then if God does chesed to that person, who's not even down with Kavskos, then what's going to end up happening is the person's going to interpret it as a statement that they are really good. But that's, a corrupt, that's going to be a notion of, that's going to corrupt the idea of, just, of justice. Because now either they'll think that they really deserve it when they don't, or what they'll think is, God is a vatran. But if you judge other people favorably, what you're saying is that I recognize there's a nihug with humanity, which understands that there's complexity and there's room for emphasis of one element to the other. And so it could be, right? Now, when I'm getting something good, I can recognize that God, so to speak, is relating to me based in this complex framework where what I'm getting is not necessarily because I'm worthy of it, but because I'm, I have challenges. And so there are different elements to emphasize. And so God is trying to direct me along one path versus the other. But again, my point is not that I, I don't have to interpret it as I necessarily deserve it. Because there's a framework in operating with people in which they don't necessarily deserve it. But we all go through different types of challenges and, 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 and struggles. And I want to say the same thing by Ma'avir Al-Midosov. By Ma'avir Al-Midosov, okay, it means to say is the person is willing to let things, let things slide. What does it mean they let things slide? What it means to say is, is they, again, they recognize when somebody does something wrong to you, it's not necessarily about you. It's, uh, they have, again, they might have whatever struggles are going on in their life, which cause them to act in a, in a, in a certain way. So you don't take it personally. I mean, that's what it means. Okay, as Rashi's describing, somebody takes it personally, they really, they measure every little thing that a person does to them. But if you realize that people have a lot of things going on in their life, and if they do something wrong to you, it's not necessarily because anything about you per se. So then you should not take it personally, let it go. Okay, it's a reflection of the fact that the human being is a complex, is a complex being, and there could be a lot of different reasons why somebody, somebody does something. What the Gemara is saying is, again, you see, if you don't do it that way, if, you're only, if your only framework is, okay, the person did this to me, it's because they're a bad person, I'm going to treat this this way. So the operating assumption is, like, I only operate by what I perceive as good and bad. And if I think this person is a bad person, they are a bad person, they deserve what's getting to them. If I think they're good, they're good. But again, so what's going to happen now with Ashkaf HaSashem? When the God relates to you, okay, if that's the way you think about other people, and that's the way you think about human beings, so now when something good happens to you, you'll think, why? I'm a good person. Okay, there's no sort of, and that's again, so, and then you end up with the same corrupt idea of God is just. So there's no room, so to speak, for the, for the, for the chesed to take place because it'll come at the expense of God as a just God. But if a person recognizes that other people are complicated and they have a lot of things going on, so now when a Kaddish Baruch who's no chesed with them, they can also understand it's not necessarily because I'm worthy, but because they're complicated. And so, yes, it's true, I might have given in to certain things at certain times. But God has given me a chesed rachamim. It could be that I, I, I'm not really worthy of this. 
But because it was due to certain pressures, whatever it is, there's other factors that can contribute to, uh, to and that, therefore I could be, there's, again, there's that, that Pesach, there's that opening for it to come, but not at the expense of the idea of God as the, as the Shofet, the Shofet Amis. It's got to be called the Rachav, called the Rachav Mishman. So that, that I think is part of the idea, underlying ideas of the Gemara, that we have to appreciate uh, that, again, there's the philosophical idea that God is the Shofi Da'emes, and that's the primary idea, and all the other, the Midas uh, Baruch Hu, can't come at that expense, but it's also a limud for, it's a limud for, for us, okay, and how we think about other people and, and ourselves. Just going back to the story that I, that I started with, I do think there's something to be said, okay, if you will, like the story, okay, um, one, and I think it's in line with these Gemaras, when he says, listen, I'm asking for a loan, how can I not give this person a loan, okay, I don't know what he had in mind in particular, I'm not gonna, but I, I do think there's, again, like these Gemaras are saying, there's something to be said about that a person can appreciate, you know, what a person that says, if I'm asking for a loan on life, what does that really mean to say? Is the person understands that we don't always live up to our own expectations. We don't live up to the things that we think we should be living up to, but that doesn't mean that we don't want certain things in life, okay? And for our, when it comes to ourselves, we're willing to be tolerant of flaws, okay? And to understand, and realistically, we understand we have to be because we're not perfect beings and we go in front of a Kaddish Baruch and we ask for things with the knowledge that we are flawed beings. And what the story shows is that a person really, you know, we do that with ourselves. How often are we willing to do it with, with others? And that's, and that's part of what he's trying to say is if, I, if, if in, when it comes to how I, my relationship with God, I look at myself this way, why should I be willing to extend it to other people? And that's part of what the Gemaras are trying to say, the Mavir Almi Almi Dosa. I think it's a very, it's a very, there's a lot to be said about the ability to move on in life in general, okay, and not holding on to, um, to, to past, if you want to call them elements of trauma or anger, things that are done. And a lot of it has to do with appreciating the complexity of a human being and the, the complexity of the human existence that people are, uh, People are kind of, we all have different struggles and challenges, but hopefully if we can see that in ourselves and in others, we could be aware of the flaws and hopefully we can use that as, a, as an opportunity to work on ourselves in a realistic way and hopefully to approach a Kaddish Baruch Hu in a way where we recognize we, we're, flawed, we're flawed beings that are working on ourselves, just like we're tolerant of ourselves, we, we, tolerate, we tolerate others. And hopefully with that, we could be, you know, we could be worthy of the, of the, of the Midas, uh, Midas Chasid, Midas Racham. Okay. Any, any questions? Yeah. That's correct, right? It's not a thing, right? The Ramam is very clear. You, you don't know. And I don't think it's an idea you're supposed to fool yourself. But it's an idea in, in, in how you're relating, in how you're relating to other people, that you, you choose to relate to them in a way in which my operating assumption is that the person had a valid reason for doing. So until proven otherwise, that's how I'll treat them. Right, it's a general, that's a good, that's a good point of thing, right? A way of thinking about people in general. Right. So, so that could be be told by that kind of a thing. Right. The cops goes. It's interesting, right? And also, it's interesting, right? To that point again, the Ramam says, but if you know the person is a Russia, let's say, it's not because it's not the cops anymore. There's not. Or if you yeah. know what the action was. Or if correct for sure that was uh, correct. Correct. Is that I'm suggesting is because it's almost like it's human nature. Human nature is such is that um, we feel the need to be to relate to people as in like basically like good or bad. Yeah, like that's it, just uh, it's like a natural thing. And um, and you know, so if you want to like, right, is this person something I have to be on guard against, or somebody I have to I don't, I don't have to worry about? You're saying you don't know, but really, you're judging him. 
if you do it. Right, that's right. You're right. If you don't do anything, you're right, that's right. You're gonna be on guard. If you don't know, you say I'm gonna constantly be on guard with the guy. Yeah. To say I don't know, but to say right, you're still gonna be you be very suspicious. Yeah. Sure, for sure, it's part of tefillah. But I, and I think by tachanan, that's exactly tachanan, right? Rashi says vaschanan is he asked for a matnaskinam. The idea of asking for a matnaskinam is to say that understand this in in the realm of justice, this is definitely not not uh, deserved. And that's when we had when we were misfollowed with Tachanunim, that's what we're saying, that anything we get, we're understanding is not really in the realm of, uh, of Mishpat. And my point is that, you know, when we think of the Yudgil Midos Arachanim, okay, there's, you know, in, in the Yudgil Midos Arachanim, it's not interesting, it's, it's the term MS. MS can't be, um, MS can't be, can't be lost. But it's interesting, you know, I don't know how many people said, if you said Kirish Levana last night. So in the, in the bracha, you have Kol Shepulaso MS, that his works are true. So it's a very interesting phrase. What does it mean his works are true? Obviously, they're true. They're not false. Even if they exist, they're true. Rashi says, the other parish in the Ostar Tzilos brings down, Rashi says, what does it mean they're true? Shanu Sidram. They never change their order. Okay? They're true in that they never change their order. What does it mean they never change their order? Perhaps it means to say is that there is a system. When it doesn't change order, what that means to say is it's basically it works by cycles. Cycles really reflects it's a, it's a system of chacham. There's cause and effect. And that's why it always ends up in the same place. If there's no order, it means it's random. And randomness generally implies something which we cannot perceive any, any wisdom in. Pulaso MS means to say is that what we see partakes of the higher reality of truth because it's based on that higher reality of, of Chachma. And again, Mishpat is in the same, comes from the same source. It comes from the same realm.